This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. The truth is... The floor fell in for millions of families because of their economic mayhem. The classroom ceilings collapsed because he cut vital school budgets. And now the walls of our national security have been breached because they've ignored repeated warnings. No one voted for these shambles. No one voted for him. So how much more damage do the British public have to put up with before he finally finds the stomach to give them a say? In the Commons, Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer has asked Rishi Sunak to call a general election. The PM technically has up until January 2025 to call one at the latest, but an exclusive Ipsos survey for The Standard found six in ten adults want the next election to take place before the end of next June. It appears frustrations over the cost of living crisis, mortgage rate hikes and issues with the wider economy have led to the public calling for change sooner rather than later. 86% say Britain needs a new team of leaders, up six points since May and 10 points higher than in March 2010 as Gordon Brown's government was on its last legs. So when will Rishi Sunak officially call for a general election? And what do these most recent Ipsos poll results tell us about who's in the driving seat? Joining me now is Kieran Pedley, Director of Politics at Ipsos. So Kieran, I understand the pressure is on for the PM to call a general election as early as June next year. Yeah, so when we ask people when they want the next general election to take place, what we find is that around one in four want the election to take place before the end of this year. And then when we add 33% that think the election should take place between January and June next year, obviously that becomes sort of almost six in 10 that want an election before next June. Now, it's not unusual for the public to call for a general election. They tend to want a say on things, whether that's a referendum or or a general election. But it just sort of shows that we are in the the sort of slow slow march towards the next election and the, the long campaign, if you like, seems to be taking shape. And presumably the reason the public wants an election sooner rather than later is because they want to see things like the cost of living improve quicker. Is I don't know if you get any of that kind of information through the polls or if previous polls can sort of indicate that. Yes, yeah, so we have a regular Ipsos monthly issues index, which looks at kind of what the most important issues are 
face in the country. And you're quite right that the cost of living or inflation and rising prices is, is, is top of mind for the public at the moment, alongside the economy more generally and, and in other issues such as public services or specifically the NHS, we should say, um, and immigration. So there's a host of issues that the, that the public are, are, are concerned about. I think what we do generally see is this pretty negative, pessimistic mood around at the moment. So anywhere between six and ten and two thirds tend to tell us that things are heading in the wrong direction. And it seems to be that the incumbent Conservative Party are sort of bearing the brunt of that in terms of sort of public anger at the ballot box. We've seen that in recent by-elections. Selby and Aitzi sort of springs to mind. There was a massive swing against the Conservatives, where, of course, we should mention Uxbridge and Rysip, where they managed to hold on for very specific local factors. But the, the macro political position, if you want to call it that, is that our most recent numbers today with the Evening Standards show um, Labour 20 points ahead hasn't really changed that much over the course of this year. So I think that you know, for the next year or so, or however long we've got until the next election, you know, clearly the Prime Minister and the Conservatives are going to want to change the public mood. And looking at the, the men behind the two camps, how are Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer looking in the polls in the build-up to the next general election? So when you force people to make a choice and you say, OK, which of the two do you think would be the most capable prime minister? There isn't loads to choose between them in the sense that Keir Starmer tends to lead by four points. But that's pretty atypical in recent memory for a Labour leader to be neck and neck or slightly ahead in this case of the Conservative Prime Minister. So the fact that they're kind of neck and neck on who would be the most capable Prime Minister in some ways is a bit of a win for Labour. I mean, it might not sound that way. I mean, you might say, oh, Kieran, how could it possibly be that just being neck and neck is good? But in past elections, you've seen that the leadership question, if you can call it that, has typically hurt the Labour Party. So, you know, Boris Johnson was typically miles ahead of Jeremy Corbyn in terms of who the public thought would make the most capable Prime Minister. Similarly, with Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn at times, but also David Cameron and Ed Miliband. So in that sort of horse race, if you want to call it that, then, you know, um, it's good news for Labour. I think on the slightly less positive news for Labour is when we look at Keir Starmer's net satisfaction ratings, so this is when you take away the people that are, the 51% that are dissatisfied with the job he's doing as Labour leader from the 29% that say they're satisfied. His minus 21 score is actually not that dissimilar to what Ed Miliband was getting before the 2015 election which he obviously lost, which was, and his score then was minus 19. The difference is that Kirstarmer's facing a very different Prime Minister and a very different Conservative Party in the public mood at the moment. So, for example, if we look at Rishi Sunak, just 22% are satisfied with the job he's doing as Prime Minister and 66% are dissatisfied. So that gives him a score of minus 44. I should say, though, it's not always, it's not all about the leaders. I mean, that does give you some indication as to the direction of travel. But of course, it's about the parties and their policy you know, agendas and what issues matter to voters and which parties they trust and all these sorts of things as well. So it's important to look at the leadership that can give us indications of where things are going. And they are the ultimate sales people for their political parties and you know, to, to voters. But it's not the only issue that's, that's important to people. And one of the, the stats that really surprised me from this poll was that 50% of potential voters said they may still change their mind as to how they vote. That suggests there's still very much everything to play for at this stage, at least, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it gives us a little bit of a pause in terms of sort of saying everything's done and dusted. Different people may, without getting into the philosophy of uh, survey research too much, like what someone means in terms of may change their mind versus someone else may indicate a completely different degree of uncertainty. I mean, for example, if you look, if you go back to, we were talking about David Cameron and Ed Miliband earlier, if you go back to like 2015, 
January, February that year, we had similar numbers, so they might change their mind. The actual headline voting intention figures didn't end up moving very much. To be fair, that will be some crumb of comfort for the Conservatives and Rishi Sunak. Fundamentally, what he's going to have to do in the next year is to show significant progress on his five pledges, which I think um, you know, he's sort of correctly identified the broad areas, I think, that are, that are important to voters, which I've sort of mentioned earlier, to do with the economy and the cost of living, and particularly in terms of Conservative voters, um, you know, small boats and immigration. But as yet, people don't really think he's doing a particularly good job on any of those issues. And so, yes, people might change their mind. But it's also worth pointing out that when you look at that by different voter groups, current Conservative voters are just as likely to say that they'll change their mind or they might change their mind as current Labour voters. So <laughs> you could spin it the other way around and say well, it could get even worse for the Conservatives if they don't fix some of the issues. But yeah, of course, I mean, with a year or so ago to go to an election, who knows? Until it's over, it isn't over. Let's take a break now. In part two, Kieran explains which is more likely to benefit the Conservatives, an earlier or a later general election. They'll probably be wanting to keep their options open, but I imagine, without knowing or without being privy to any sort of private information, I imagine their current instinct will be to go as long as possible. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And based on sort of looking at the, the poll results on the face of it, do they suggest a higher chance potentially of seeing a coalition next year when you consider how neck and neck it seems with the leaders at least, and also that 50% of voters saying that it could sort of go either way? Yeah, I think the, I think the prospect of a hung parliament, you know, okay, it can't be ruled out. It certainly doesn't look that way at the moment in the polls, we should stress. I mean, where we are in the polls at the moment with Labour 20 points ahead, we're talking landslide Labour majority territory. And of course, until things change, that's kind of what we're looking at. And when we talk about um, both the by-elections that have gone and the ones that are coming in sort of mid-beds and Tamworth, you know, we're talking about Labour taking seats in by-elections that do indicate that kind of scale of, of landslide. But then when we ask people kind of what they expect to happen in the next election, only 27% think that there will be a Labour majority. You know, a majority tend to think that there will be a hung parliament of some kind. I think ultimately what it comes down to is whether we see the polls narrow in, in the coming year or so. I mean, for the Conservatives, it's worth remembering that if we just strictly look at who's going to form a government after the next election, they've got a pretty narrow window if they don't get a majority to be able to actually stay in office because you know, under Theresa May, obviously, they require the support of the DUP to hang on and that's that's only a handful of seats really in the grand schemes of what parliament is it's hard to imagine the liberal democrats 
sort of propping up a, a Conservative administration in this kind of post-Brexit era when the, when the Tories have been in office for, you know, 14 or so years, as it will be next year. So it's a narrow window for the Conservatives. Hung Parliament's always possible. I mean, the scale of swing to Labour from one election to the next to give them a majority is very unusual for that to happen. Um, but at the moment, that's what the polls are saying. Going back to the Prime Minister himself, is he better off going for this earlier general election before June, as the public, at least in this poll shows, want? Or is actually a later one, I think he can go as late as January 2025, actually more beneficial to him? Well, I suppose a slightly boring answer is it depends a bit on what the polls say next uh, spring. I mean, I think that fundamentally, you look at historic precedent, it's difficult to spot a pattern in, in many ways because you know, typically governments that cling on for the full five years end up doing so because they kind of know they're going to lose and, uh, and then they end up doing so. But that's definitely not always the case. I mean, David Cameron had a very structured kind of five-year term, 2010 to 2015. Obviously, went from a coalition government to a majority. In 1992, the Conservatives have won against the odds after having a five-year parliament then. So it's not quite the case that you're guaranteed to lose if you wait till the last minute. I think at the moment, the Conservatives will probably be inclined to go as long as possible. Maybe not January 2025, just because it's a sort of slightly odd time to do to do a campaign they'll probably want to base it around some sort of launch pad whether that's a kind of autumn you know an autumn statement or a conference or something but i imagine at the moment they'll be inclined to go as long as they can because they're the miles behind in the polls and they'll hope that something can sort of crop up obviously if there is for some reason unforeseen reason a, a steady sort of narrowing of the polls between now and the end of the year and they have a good budget in, in the spring maybe there's i mean it's reluctant to call it a snap election for you know four and a half years in but Maybe they decide to go quickly. I mean, they'll probably be wanting to keep their options open. But I imagine, without knowing or without being privy to any sort of private information, I imagine their current instinct will be to go as long as possible. With the leads that Labour have, at the moment at least, it, it appears the ball is in their court to sort of convince the public even more that they're the party to vote for. Do you think they, they can or even will be able to do that? Right now, the, the key benefit Labour has is that there, there is a real palpable sense of time for change. You know, we've had that with our polling with, with you at the Evening Standards in the recent months. Around two thirds think it's time for change. There's all sorts of stats I could throw at you about majorities of the public not thinking the Conservatives deserve to be re-elected, or saying they're incompetent, or saying that um, they're out of date and this, that, and the other. So, you know, to some extent, we should always remember that elections can be referendums on the existing government. Very difficult to win an election from opposition if the current government's popular, um, and it certainly sort of isn't at the moment. There are doubts about Labour, but at the same time, when you ask about the issues that matter most to people, typically the cost of living and um, the NHS, the public instinctively trust Labour on those two particular issues a lot more than they do the Conservatives, at least at the moment. So you know, clearly the Conservatives want to try and change the conversation to other issues that are maybe a bit more difficult for Labour, such as possibly you know, the economy and economic growth more specifically, or maybe immigration. So I suppose the balance Labour are going to have to strike is between riding that wave, as it were, and steady as she goes, not, not rocking the boat in a way that narrows the polls. But also there will be more scrutiny on them and their plans, particularly at conference season this year, as we get closer to an election that a lot of people expect them to win and of course once they start announcing plans that gives the government and the conservatives something to something to attack so certainly don't think that numbers would suggest that they've sealed the deal or anything but i think we, we shouldn't go too far over the top with that that is true but ultimately they're up against an extremely unpopular government that currently 
the public think has sort of run out of time. But of course, again, you know, it ain't over until it's over. So we'll have to see what the next year brings. Pick up the Evening Standard newspaper for more news, interviews and analysis or head to standard.co.uk. That's the leader. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.